Hello and welcome to another episode of Gen Lockdown, right here on Rooster Team Reviews. This is where we take deep dives into Rooster Teeth's show, Gen Lock. I am one of your hosts, the internet's Mark Budonica, joined as always by Megan Salinas. Hey everybody, uh, here's your favorite um, not-dead spy, so woo! Wait, you were a spy. Hold on. Oh, crap. Oh no. Uh, no, forget about that, forget about that. Fine, moving on, Katie Cullen. It's okay. I'll take care of Megan when we're done here. Can we stop, like, talking about murder? <laughs> Never. Like, this one was a much more positive episode. And Stacey Shuttleworth. I had a really good one about murder, but now I can't do it. <laughs> do it anyway. Do it anyway. <laughs> oh, no. We're back to the rule of threes. <laughs> <laughs> we never left lessons about comedy uh if the rule of threes are any indicator this the third episode will be the punchline uh welcome into the show everybody this revealed a lot of really cool and interesting story ideas and we're going to talk about all of them so i want to start by uh, posing a question to everybody when episode three starts we pick up right when the action of episode two left off similarly episode two picks up right where the action of episode one left off i is this the first rooster teeth show that for sure has a set time period we're getting stuff as it happens the only progression that we really get is in the middle of the episode what do you think about this form of storytelling i will start with katie Oh, and also, actually, really quickly, also also give me your initial impressions of the episode. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I liked this one. This was a little, this was a lot more lighthearted. This was a lot more getting to know all of our characters without throwing them directly into a combat situation. This was a little more character development for the ones that we already had. And it was also more development for the world. We got our six-month time frame. We got... A few more rules about what Genlock is and how it works and the potential time limit for integration with a Holon. We we got all sorts of fun stuff. I just, I really, really enjoyed this one. And ongoing storytelling like that isn't completely new to Rooster Teeth. They do it for chunks of Ruby. Like this, this past season of Ruby, no time skips, no nothing. It took place over the course of like three, three and a half days. That's true. So... It's not completely brand new for them, but it is the—I believe it's the first time that they have started a series off the bat with this and kept with it. And it will be interesting to see if the whole season is that, or if the season is going to span that six months. So we'll see. But I'm enjoying it so far. Uh, so I think that uh, as far as a linear progression that we're getting here. I don't know if it will continue because I feel like at some point we might go back, uh, especially if we start getting into territory of what happened to certain people in New York. And we might flip back a few times, but I appreciate that we're moving forward at a pace here at a time, I mean, within the show's world that we need to move forward. And this kind of take on a lighthearted episode was a lot of fun and a lot of good character development. And we kind of got more of a sense of how these mechs actually work. And I think that was a good look for us. So we have the six months. Does anybody think that that's time frame for season one or time frame for the entire series, especially at the rate that we're going at now? 
it might be the entire series for one given the rate that we're going at now and for two the anvil right here the vanguard and the anvil are holding a line and the anvil is not on the west coast the anvil looks like again i place it as in colorado somewhere so six months is the entire united states and if that rate continues unchecked you're gonna hit the anvil far more quickly than that probably within three or four so I think we have, if we're going to stay at the Anvil for the entire series, if we're going to try and protect that, it's an even more accelerated timeline. Six months is North America. It, it, the Anvil, probably four. Megan, what did you think about the episode? Uh, I really appreciated this one. This one was our basically our forming Voltron <laughs> episode. Um, uh, for anybody who hasn't seen uh, the latest iteration of Voltron, like the entire second episode is just them trying to get the lions to go together and going, yay. <laughs> Some assembly <laughs> required. Uh, this was that episode. It was a lot of fun. It was cool seeing the, you know, sort of um, the, the non-pilot characters get in on the action. Um, and as far as like the, the uh, time progression goes, I think it's a really good way to keep people coming back because, you know, episode one ends on a cliffhanger and then episode two immediately picks up that point and then we go on. And it was the exact same thing for episode two. Um, so, like, that's a really good... It's a really good hook to keep people coming back, which considering um, this is, you know, this is a series where they want you to have a first membership to get access to it, like, it makes a lot of sense to keep hooking your audience to come back. Um, it is moving very quickly, but I'm, I'm one hundred, given how few episodes we're going to get, I appreciate the pacing. And even though it's quick pacing, it feels really complete and it doesn't feel rushed. Like, each episode that we've had so far has been really good about setting things up within the episode and then paying those things off by the time the episode ends. So even though it's highly serialized as far as Rooster Teeth series goes, like each episode still feels like it's telling you a complete story. And I think our hook for the end of this episode was, you know, today we're having fun. Tomorrow is when combat training begins. So we come back for the next episode to see what combat training in a hall-on looks like. Yes, when it comes to this episode in relation to the other ones, I would say that we've got the marvelification of a series where, similar to the Marvel movies, there's it's this brand, but it's this genre movie, this genre movie. And with each of the past three episodes, we've had a variety of styles coming together under one roof of being this particular this particular type of a show and today's episode being the to coin a term some assembly required that that katie did um that she has been using i know you've been using it for a while that's literally the title of that voltron episode <laughs> yeah and there's also an episode of avengers assemble i think it was the premiere episode had it too it's kind of a tired phrase at this point <laughs> a lot of <laughs> A lot of well, a lot of people a lot of people use it, I should say, but uh, like toy manufacturers. Yeah, with this today's episode felt completely different, and it makes no, not completely different, but it felt different enough. It was the lighter side before the dark, and being able to see everybody 
play and being able to see the seeds of what we're seeing in the intro in terms of what people end up becoming. We get these little nodes of possibility that all of our new pilots or, or all of our pilots can take up in the training exercises. And we talked about a little bit in the last show about what it took to get them into those into the the holons especially after watching somebody die literally probably about <laughs> five minutes ago and weller's like all right who's first timing is everything i i love the timing about oh we saw this we saw this this is terrible and we watched some guy die and the conversation comes to a complete halt while they take the body bag off screen like that was beautiful framing we saw a couple of things in this first scene as well, we got the debut of Lawrence Sontag as Abel, who is uh, Colonel Marin's assistant that Dr. Wells does not take kindly to. But it, I'm excited to, to see how much of the Rooster Teeth family has and the Let's Play family has come into this series where with Ruby kind of started out, of course, it was an internal thing. And Red versus Blue has like the the aura of being an OG crew, a founder's show. Ruby has some of that, but it's still like, all right, these are the animated, these are the animation people with a couple of folks peppered in there for style. Uh, An X-Ray and Vav was the Let's Play show, or sort of the Let's Play channel show, and then Sex Swing, and like so on and so forth. But this feels like the first really everybody coming together to make sure that this show is successful and it helps further promote the unity and the 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 normalization of people working together for a, a greater goal on an even more meta level not a red versus blue joke but on a red, but on a, a much more meta level and i i really enjoyed what little we got of abel and what he what he means to the show did anybody have that deep of a reaction to Abel? I mean, I I liked him, but it... I don't know, man. I'm not... Cool. Definitely not to the level that you did. Whoop, whoop. Yeah, I can't, uh, I can't say to the level that you did. Although, now you presenting it, that is a cool reflection, like, to, to think about. I love your take on it. Uh, I I don't know. Uh, I'm definitely not in, on board with Katie's like, no, I had no reaction to him whatsoever because I love um, this guy. Excuse you. <laughs> That's what it was. I love this guy. I, I'm a big fan of robot characters and seeing the way he interacted with Caliban was awesome. That was a fun bit. But I mean, our first reaction was to him was to him was, Hi, I'm Connor. I'm the android sent by Cyberlife. Like, and I love him. He yes. is my robot son now. Okay. <laughs> Abel is your robot son, not Caliban, but Abel. <laughs> Abel specifically, yes. And I love that we have Abel and we have Caliban as names. Like, okay, Kitten. we going for a theme? As long as we don't have Kane. Yeah. If that was the if that was the case, it <laughs> might have a problem. That's the bit that everybody can agree on. Ooh, if they go biblical, not so great. Yeah, but they went biblical and named him after the first murder victim. Back to murder. Can we? <laughs> don't we always? Don't we always go back to murder? We talked about how this was a brighter, more fun episode, and we can't get away from murder. We just like our angst, apparently. 
this is where we can make jokes about murder without it being just like soul killing. So we're going to do it. Don't talk about murdering my robot son. Your robot son was named after a murder victim. It's different when we can't look each other in the eye when we're talking about murder because there's this <laughs> gleam true. that Megan gets when she talks about <laughs> it. That's just absolutely terrifying. And I would say if, if people want to hear that a little bit more, you go back and listen to what we said about Bloodfest. <laughs> Other than that, this episode was essentially a big playground where we got to learn about the Holons, the pilots got to learn about the Holons, and it was just it was literally a playground. There was they were quoted as saying setting up a playground for new for the new pilots. And uh, one last little let's play reference that I kind of liked. I, I referenced in the last episode with the why we're here. Uh, Chase had a line where he said in response to Valentina just sort of minding her own business when it came to the war he said uh, you're gonna live it up like there's no tomorrow and i i would love to know if you're in our discord if you're on twitter or anything did anybody sing no tomorrow like the let's play family does that's all that's all i wanted to ask but um when the the question that i want to post to everybody is completely unrelated to that but uh, uh starting with megan when it came to knowing what little we knew about our pilots and it came to who was going to be first since you're apparently going to be the first person in our group to <laughs> to get into a hall on who did you see going first honestly uh it was it was a little interesting because every character was showing a lot of resistance to going first like i'll i'll be interested uh, like I'll, I'll be honest, I didn't really see Valentina or or Kazu going first, so that only kind of left one option. But that's that was also interesting because she was also putting up the most resistance um, and the most vocal opposition to going in. But I kind of figured it would be her. Yeah, about the same. You have the guy who voiced how he wanted to go back to his unit, where let's keep in mind he was demoted to his unit's cook. And we have the girl who straight up said that she was done fighting, she was done with all of this, and she just basically wanted to live her life until it ran out. And then you have our tech person. So if it's going to be someone who goes headfirst into new technology, of the three, it's going to be the tech person. But I did love the comment about, give me some time to quality check your code. Like, come on. Days, though. She wanted days. Hey, you be thorough. I see. I also thought that it would end up being Cammy, but actually, I thought it was more due to her being much younger than the other two, and kind of them, in turn, more strong arming her into it. Be like, "Well, it's not gonna be us. You go. You're you're the young one. Go." Well, even then, that's what it it seemed like it came to with both of them going. Well, we're not gonna do it, and we could kind of make her do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what it reminded me of. It's like, um, I, I come from a, a family where I have two siblings, um, and I'm the middle child, so it very much felt like a moment where both me and my older brother went, I'm not going to do that, and then our little brother has to go and do it. <laughs> That's kind of what it felt like a little bit. We got the upload. We got to see the first actual link and follow the journey of Cammy getting into the Holon. Did, did anybody think anything was going to go wrong? Stacy? did did you think, I mean, I don't know if you watched the clip that was released of Cammy starting booting up, but 
did you think anything was going to go wrong? Uh, so I had not before I watched the episode. And uh, I mean, I, I did not expect her to walk out and know everything that she was doing. I, I didn't expect it exactly to go like that, but some kind of fumbling or causing a huge commotion right out of the bay would be uh, yeah, par for course, which is basically what we got. Yeah, and, and it's a, a fair assessment of learning to walk again and especially as they comment being in a completely different center of gravity it it totally made sense yeah i i i'm actually surprised it went as smoothly as it did because i was totally picturing like full-on slapstick comedy like she's gonna come stumbling out and is gonna be like knocking over all of this equipment there's a giant (laughs) robot banana peel I was kind of picturing like a row of giant robots being tipped over like dominoes. Oh god, the um, budget. <laughs> that would have been terrible. Um that um so I I'm glad it went as smoothly as it did, but I did think my favorite thing about it um was when she realizes she has roller skates and immediately falls. <laughs> um but I thought the the center of gravity thing was such a cool um world building thing because like yeah that you wouldn't necessarily think about it but it would be a lot harder to walk if your legs feel disproportionate than what you're used to well and cammy's smaller than everyone else so these are adult proportional bodies and either she's small for her age or she's still very much a teenager and has some growing to do so it makes sense for her to be the one with the most dysphoria in this body i'm not i I'm not surprised that the sink went flawlessly because otherwise we'd be down a cami and we uh we don't do that. But yeah, no, I'm also not surprised that there was a little bit of clumsiness and I'm just I'm I'm happy that we did not get to the level of all of the robots falling down because you have to make everyone else want to get in their robots too and like who's next and then both of them raising their hands in unison like yeah. Yeah. I won't play too. <laughs> Your guinea pig has succeeded. They can only be left out for so long. As they're getting ready, taking their first steps. Uh, we we go out to Migus and Julian, quote, playing basketball together. And <laughs> this is where we get our first bit of secondary soundtrack with the Rooster Teeth animation alum, Richie Branson, doing uh, a couple of songs, or presumably maybe it's the same song used at two different times. But we get a new soundtrack or a new piece of soundtrack and a piece of world building because whenever they give Richie something to do, he definitely writes it about that thing. It's not a pop song that he had that they just asked for usage for. He writes all of his own stuff. Did this change the world at all for you? Was presenting a new, excuse me, did this present a new type of experience and change expectations going into this quote-unquote training scene? You know, I honestly didn't pick up on the music during the basketball scene. I picked up on it during Capture the Flag when it was made a little more obvious and I really appreciated that. One, that they brought it back. Two, that they associated it with Julian being ridiculously competent and just it, it worked really well for the tone of what they were doing in the same way that the music that they had during episode one, when they had that fight that the Hollands had to come in and basically pull everyone's asses out of the fire. Like they're very good at fitting the music to the scene. 
and I appreciate the change here, and I appreciate the music that they used here. Like, I like that a lot. I think the music has been absolutely on point so far in this show throughout all three episodes and has just been excellent at setting us the tone and putting us in a certain mindset to then, even if unconsciously at first, which I know is generally for me, it takes me much longer to pick up on music cues usually. Uh, But this one, this one was pretty there in your face um and i appreciate whenever richie branson pops up so we, we had a moment watching and i was like oh, it is it's him richie <laughs> and but speaking to that stacy you you picked up exactly what they were putting down they established that the the scrimmage the capture the flag which we're going back to red versus blue but going mm-hmm. d- dealing with the capture the flag they Pro- they programmed in our minds that this is equivalent to a couple of friends playing a pickup game of basketball by playing the first part of the song with Migas and Julian and then coming back to it at the end, your mind already goes, okay, this is going to be fun because they told us so unconsciously. They're, they're reprogramming us for media and it's a little spooky, but it's pretty great at the same time. And real effective. <laughs> uh, Yes, very effective. Uh, Megan, what did you think of the music and pr- leading into the training montage? Uh, I I have to reiterate those same sentiment, uh, sentiments. The, the music was seamless. Like, uh, I, I know, uh, Mark, you had some issues with the sort of pop music being used for the opening. Um, but to, to me, this felt like a natural thing to put into this show. It felt positively seamless and it felt like a really good uh character like like an informed character choice as you know music being applied to julian it felt perfect i feel like richie did a fantastic job i really enjoyed listening to it and then this training montage man oh man was this a joy to watch we're gonna get to the training montage in just a second but there is another emotional piece that we got right before then But also before we talk about that, I want to take this moment to thank everybody for listening to us right here on Anchor.fm or wherever you're listening on a podcast service. If you're listening to us through Anchor.fm, you can click through the link. There is an option to get a more personalized podcast app. If you don't have a podcast app, Anchor has an app and you can follow us on there. Uh, Also, if you wanted to support the show, you can sign up for a monthly donation. It helps us out immensely. There's a dollar, five dollar, ten dollar options, and it will help the show to grow, help us get better equipment. And my dream, personally, is to provide us a our own personal space to record in, so that we can all be here and present and stare into each other's eyes when we talk about murder. But other than that, <laughs> you could also go to tpublic.com slash the rooster team, pick up some of our merch. We've got a Genlock shirt. We've got, we've got stuff for everything that we've talked about before and we're always developing new stuff. So make sure to head to tpublic.com slash the rooster team. Follow us at the rooster team on Twitter and hit us up on our discord. We've got a lot of people talking at all times that I will say surprisingly, but very cool. The Nomad of Nowhere thread seems to be getting a lot of attention fairly frequently, and it's pretty damn entertaining. Uh, come join the conversation. We we pop in there from time to time. I'm I'm in there a lot just because, hey, 
I've got nothing better to do right now but edit and be on Discord. So uh, make sure to, to support us. And if at the very least you can write a review on your podcast provider of choice so that we can get a little bit more attention or tell your friends if you want somebody to share discussion of Rooster Teeth stuff with, whether it's Genlock or I don't know why I'm saying this, Red versus Blue or Camp Camp or Ruby or any stuff like that. Who knows? Maybe one day we'll have a show for that. But uh, <laughs> aside from that, we do have another sponsor, Katie, if you would be so kind as to tell them about it. Absolutely. Rooster Team Radio is sponsored by Fred's BS, Breads and Spreads by Fred. Fred's BS is an L.A. local one-man baked goods business that offers unique flavors in small batches. Whether you're looking for homemade jams, brownies, blondies, or brown sugar buddies, the best cookies you've ever had, Fred's BS can provide. All products are made in small batches with fresh ingredients, and nothing is ever frozen. Fred provides a plethora of flavors that can't be found in stores, like the aforementioned brown sugar buddies or a strawberry peach paradise sunrise jam. Also, if you're an L.A. local, you can choose pickup instead of delivery and get your goods even sooner. Head to fredsbs.com and use coupon code THEROOSTERTEAM for 20% off your entire order. That's fredsbs.com and coupon code THEROOSTERTEAM. FredsBS, treat yourself because you deserve it. And for Valentine's Day, he has strawberry blondies going on right now and a Valentine's Day sale that I believe should stack with our code. And you've you've known Fred for quite some time and we I've I've at least been you've had more stuff than I have but we can speak to the quality of it. It's really high quality good stuff. Honestly, I have a habit of getting cookies, brownies and jam and making a sandwich with a cookie, a brownie and some jam in the middle for those days when I really really just need something good in my life. <laughs> <laughs> You deserve a break. Try Fred's. So let's talk about, okay, we're three episodes in to a damn animated series, and there's already some sort of quote-unquote controversy. So I wanted to make sure that we talked about it, and as of the, it's fairly fresh. The episode just came out, and we already have something. So let's talk about it, and let's talk about being an adult. As, <laughs> as Chase is a... Uh, waiting for the new recruits to come by he pops uh, a glimpse and overhears a conversation between miranda and jody and from what this what the dialogue is implying is that they're a thing now and the the question that i wanted to ask everybody and luckily i think i know the answer to this uh i will start with stacy on this one with the way that it was set up in episode one with Jody joking about the relationship between Miranda and Chase, did, how did this make you feel? I thought it was an interesting development as far as where we were from episode one. And then a couple of the comments that we've heard since then. And honestly, at first, when he was like, oh, well, I can talk to him about us. I thought he was just up to like his old tricks or, you know, like his own attempts. And then she didn't really refute him. And I was like, oh, OK. I mean, well, they've been teammates for the past four years. Chase has been gone. This is completely reasonable. It makes total <laughs> sense. Like it's not like that's that's one of the. the issues of the time jump is that the audience doesn't see this relationship we didn't get a scene where miranda was meeting jody's family but we got a scene the very first thing that we see is establishing how deep of a connection miranda and chase have so with with this development everybody at first is like 
hey, but we haven't gotten that scene yet. And I'm really excited that we get that scene. But Megan, what did you think? Uh, it completely recontextualized everything we've seen from Jody and Miranda for me. Uh, because at first, you know, I, I totally interpreted their interactions as him pining for this girl that didn't reciprocate her, you know, his feelings, um, you know, because she was still in mourning. But knowing now that they're probably a couple, you know, that those interactions play off completely differently to me because I'm like, oh, no, she's just she's just tired and frustrated. And, you know, if they're a couple like and yeah, he's just trying to lighten the mood and she's just like not in the mood for it. Um, But there was a moment in episode two when, you know, Miranda is staring at Julian's holographic image and you see, I keep wanting to call him Chad. Yeah, it's really <laughs> you hard. See, you see Jody um, doing a lot of mental math in that moment. Like I was kind of picturing the the gif of like the woman doing all of those equations. You see him doing the mental math, and I totally interpreted that moment as him doing mental calculations of his chances with Miranda going down. But no, like if they're a couple. He's looking at this going, oh, no, am I about to lose her? And so, yeah, it completely changes all of their interactions up until this point. And it it makes perfect sense because, yeah, Julian's been dead for four years. Of course she would move on. Like, Like, if he had actually been dead, he would want her to move on. Honestly, I think the most awkward thing about this is Julian using his zoom and enhance to eavesdrop on their conversation. Like, on one hand, I get it. You've been forcibly out of the loop for a long time. Like, I understand. On the other hand, uh, creeper cam activate? Can, can we not? So, like, I get it. And it also showed us a lot of what the Holons can do. We saw that they have aim assistance. We saw that they have... You know, this this zoom and enhance feature, which I can't not say because, goddammit, it's hilarious. Um, yeah, but knowing that they've been a couple for goodness knows how long, could be as long as four years. We don't know how long they've been in a relationship, but we know they've been in one for some chunk of time. Long enough that Chase coming back is going to be super awkward for more than one reason, so... Yeah, that that really changes a lot of the conversation in episode one and in episode two, where it's just like, you've been trying for four years, sit down. Oh no, he succeeded. <laughs> like, yikes. So this will be interesting. We I like we got a couple of things here. We got the echo of the scene at the end of the pilot, where across this space, we see what to us looks like a short amount of space at the end of episode one it looks like they're across the room from each other and they mirrored that shot but they put that much more space in between which shows now how far away and how distant they really are from each other and it's a a splendid piece of camera work oh god i love the shot composition in this show and on top of that I forgot, totally forgot where I was going to go, but oh no, no, I got it. Um, they, I think the time jump was from a story perspective was for this relationship. And it's common in there. There are many pieces of fiction and reality about either soldiers 
coming back from the war or whatever, and their lives are completely changed. And we are getting Rooster Teeth's version of that when it comes to Chase and Miranda. So it's a very real story that while not a lot of people may have experienced, people are experiencing it, and we've seen it in movies as well. And the four-year gap, I think, is a very comfortable amount of time to go. It could even, it could have taken Miranda three years and 11 months and then last month they went on a date. It could have taken two and a half years, and then they went and they they went on a date or something. But it also we also don't know a lot about Jody. But he seems to me like a guy who's all talk, but somebody who will listen. So I think when it came to Chase dying, Jody was probably that that shoulder to to cry on, that ear to listen. And something developed from that. Every, this all seems very natural. And it, I agree with you, Megan. It recontextualized everything. So the reaction that the, the fandom seems to be having, having, having about Jody being like a creeper or whatever doesn't, it doesn't track here. Jody's not the one who listened in on a conversation from a mile and a half away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's think about this as, oh, I wonder what they're saying. Let's find out. <laughs> I'm not I'm not going to sit here and say that Chase is a creeper. I am making a joke. But yeah, he he made that decision. That was a decision and he made it. And he, he's going to have to live with it. Now we get to the actual training exercise. And when we get to people's strategies and the the nuggets the the motes of possibility that i mentioned at the top of the show i want to know whose was your favorite seeing cammy's strategy versus val's excuse me valentina's strategy versus uh kazu's strategy whose was your favorite (laughs) i kind of have to appreciate kazu's strategy to be perfectly honest like valentina's was obviously the most effective but he picked up Cammy and used her as a meat shield to like barrel his way through. And uh, there's a part of me that respects that a lot because one time I got used as a meat shield at Halloween Horror Nights. And so I'm like, you know what? It's not fun to be the meat shield, but I respect that. Jesus. <laughs> I do love that Kazu's strategy was basically the improvised knockoff version of Valentina's strategy. Hey, that looks real smart. Let me do something vaguely similar. You, teammate, be my shield. But I adore Valentina going for it and damn near getting there. Like, for someone who has been in the robot for maybe an hour, hour and some change at this point, she's doing pretty dang well. I think Valentina showed, like, some immense foresight there and planning skills that are going to pay off in the long run. I mean, they almost paid off right there. Uh, although I must appreciate Cammy just continually charging in. She's like, it didn't work last time. Maybe it'll work this time. Very optimistic. It was so bizarre because these these folks have some sort of a background when it comes to battle. Well, may, may, Cammy does for video games but everybody seems to have some idea of battle tactics so when the first thing that they do is yeah we're all just going to walk in a line right up to these three mechs with guns that that seemed a little out of place however allowing them to adapt and change i think kazu was looking for valentina first to be like all right she's behind cover 
uh, I can grab her and use her as a human shield and then had to deal with Cammy being in the line of fire to use her. But I can't not give it to my girl Cammy, who was just felt the, the need to roll around at the speed of sound and grind on that rail like she was a Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> she had priorities. Was, seriously, she's like, look, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to make it look good. This she, is true. She had places to go, had to follow her rainbow. You exactly. those style points. When we get into battle, she'll be like, follow me. And then when she gets captured, she'll be like, set me free. Set me free. <laughs> All right. Trust me and we will escape from the city. city. I'll make it through. Oh, God. I highly recommend... Uh, go to look up Jonathan Young uh, and and his cover of that song. Amazing. But uh, we see at least <laughs> the, the first steps of what is their team strategy. And then now, Katie, I know you said Chase wasn't a creep, but I, and I, I'm, I'm, we're starting to see through him a little bit where he essentially is like, hold on dick measuring contest time i need to, <laughs> yep. i need to embarrass jody here we go and in my notes i, I have the words very dick measury because he he gets right in there breaks through the line takes people down and gives a a, a no of a head nod to to jody and now it's it's like okay i'm a little bit more on jody's side even though chase is supposed to be our hero I, I wonder, does anybody, how did everybody feel about that scene? I'll start with Katie. You know, on one hand, there there was a part of him that was right. That was, hey, we need to give them something, a good note to end off on. What, let's show them what you can do when you're trained. Like, obviously you're failing at this. You've been doing this for, again, an hour, maybe a little more. Let me show you what you'll be capable of once you have some more experience. Because Chase has been doing this for a while. Probably not the whole four years, because recovery and testing and whatnot, but longer than an hour. So on one hand, showing off, here's what you'll be able to do, here's what you're working for, it's not completely impossible, let's go, works. When he did that little sticking the flag in the ground where he did, doing the head nod, like, he didn't need to make it personal. Again, that was a decision, and he made it. I mean, he hasn't been around people other than Dr. Weller. I mean, Yaz for a little bit, but Yaz is Yaz. Well, I mean, we know his his opinion of her. It's like, when you get to know her, actually, she's kind of the same thing. But, <laughs> yeah. uh, Stacy, what did you think of Chase's show of bravado? See, if it had read as him actually showing the rest of the team what they would be ca- capable of, then that would be one thing. This was not for their benefit. This was for his benefit. This was to make that stand and to kind of be petty about it. And he was pretty petty about it. So I'm going to stick with Katie. He made a choice. <laughs> uh, he made a chase. <laughs> Megan, what did what did you think? It was a very petulant thing to do. But at the same time, like I completely understand why he's feeling the need to act out. Because he, yeah, he's been isolated for four years. He said in the last episode that everything he's done up until this point has been so that, you know, he could see Miranda face to face again. Um, And, you know, having to keep silent for four years, he said everything he's been doing has been leading up to them reuniting. And, you know, finding out that, oh, she moved on because she didn't know you were, you were still alive. Um... 
obviously there's a lot of it's it's very it's a very human reaction to react the way he did it's petulant and petty but at the same time this is a guy who can't really do a whole lot else like they they mentioned earlier in the episode whoa what are you gonna do get out of your get out of your tank and punch me in the face and you know even though he's like no no she'll beat you up in this particular scene um that's kind of it's it's very much his current situation you know people in his life moved on and it's not like he can step out of the tank and like go and change that the best he could do is you know appear as a hologram to try to talk to them and the last time he did that she walked right through him so on the one hand i i agree it was totally it was totally petty and it was a it was a total dick move and it was he was definitely trying to emasculate Jody in that particular moment. But at the same time, you understand why he's acting out in the way that he is, because it's probably the only way he can act out. Um, because, yeah, his, his, the only time he can really get up and move around is when he's in a robot. Yeah, and him having a face-to-face with somebody in his holon is a completely completely different idea but the the subtext like that you just brought up megan of being able to see right through him and walk right through him uh no no musical references there but and being (laughs) able to literally see through him is i love the subtext man gray gray really has something here oh my god um so there's two more things that I want to hit really quickly. Do you think Weller's choice of having everybody see the medical evac was a positive thing? It was an underhanded trick. What what did everybody think of that? I, mean, I think it can be a little underhanded without being malicious in intent. Uh, I think it was a more gentle handed way of showing them the actual stakes and also introducing because at that point they're in the giant robots they're down to you know pilot these mechs but then to understand (laughs) the actual ramifications of what's going on around them and the actual stakes of this war uh i (laughs) i'm gonna continue with my hashtag don't trust doc weller um no it he clearly has positive intentions but I definitely got a, you know, he's kind of a creepy manipulator um, when he wants to be. It, obviously, he's doing it for the greater good and ultimately to help people. And as, as you were mentioning um, in our last episode, Mark, you know, wanting to perpetuate this uh, aggressive hopefulness that Rooster Teeth shows are known for. The best way, yeah, to really get them to understand what's at stake is by showing, you know, putting faces to the pain that this world is in. Um, You know, someone like Valentina has become very numb to the plights of other people because she's just so focused on keeping herself alive. Um, It was a really good tactic to get them to do exactly what he wanted them to do. It was still manipulative. (laughs) I think we should retire. I hope that we can retire the Don't Trust Dr. Weller hashtag soon. But (laughs) presenting them with the idea that it's not 
saving the world. It's helping where they can. And I think that's an important message for everybody, really, is one vote, one uh, one protest, one everything can help turn the tides. Especially, eh, no, never mind. I'm not going to say that. But uh, yeah, having having that message being imparted of every little thing that you can do helps. It just so happens you're in a giant super fighting robot and you can really help provide and and like Valentina's Valentina's request of is it going to be all combat or is it going to be reconnaissance is it going to be all all this stuff and we have a sense of people's priorities and oh, what what a way to end the show but uh, before we go the last thing that I wanted to bring up is all right, time to get everybody out. We're we will soon be exceeding uptime, which which now shows there is a limit to how long people could stay in, or presumably they'll stay in there forever. How long does everybody think uptime is? And I'll start with Megan on this one. Uh, two hours. If you stay in the robot for more than two hours, then you will be a hawk for the rest of your life. Oh, boo. Wait, I, I, I might be mixing up my cannons here, but I'm going to go with two hours. Yeah, you, you've got a different invasion story going on there. We all grew up on Animorphs. But yeah, considering that we, we had a time frame for this with that scene where he's getting reamed out by the colonel at the beginning of the episode, when is the medevac arriving? Two hours. Okay, we'll be ready to meet them. And then they've been on the in the robots for all this time. And then the medevacs arrive, which tells us, okay, it's been about two hours. Then we're going to exceed uptime. My question is... In order to get them in the robots, do the robots need to be in, well, their stalls is not a good way to put it, but in the hangar, basically? Or can they take the robots almost all the way to whatever they need to engage with and then sink? Does travel time count as part of uptime? And what happens when uptime fails? Do you get stuck there? Does your bra- is, is the connection severed and you become brain dead? Like... What are the failed experiments with exceeding uptime? What happened there? Or are we just playing it real safe? I wonder if that's another use for our blue mech is somebody going in and exceeding the time and we find out what happens. Well, I missed the part about the the medevac showing up in two hours. So uh, two hours is... Uh... <laughs> I mean, I was, I was hovering somewhere around the two or three hour mark um, because it seemed like it was not a hugely significant chunk of time, which is probably one of the limitations that has kept them from deploying these sooner. So finding out more about exactly how this works, the parameters that we are working within is going to be really interesting. And I wonder if there's other sort of mental gymnastics that you would have to do like Dr. Willer talked Cammy into it and through the process of what she's going to feel and this and that beautiful bedside manner. But if there's sort of a thing like, Hey, don't eat, bef- don't eat right before you go into a pool or you'll get cramps. Is there some sort of uh, ability check that they have to do before going in? And we haven't seen anybody other than chase disconnect. And I wonder what the disconnect and bringing people back out is and I hope we see that in the next episode too now before we go was there anything else that anybody wanted to bring up Megan I know you said last episode you wanted to talk about Kazu in one way shape or form oh um Kazu like I really liked him in this episode um you know 
he had a lot of reservations about getting into the robot. You know, at one point he was like, I think I'd rather go home. <laughs> and I can't be believe here. I'm saying that. Um, so I really appreciated uh, getting to see his development in this episode. And I really do think that going forward, his dynamic with Valentina is going to continue to be humorous. Um, but yeah, and I, I really like his inclusion in the show. And like I said before, I really appreciated his strategy uh, during Capture the Flag. Um, as far as other things in this episode, dude, I would totally listen to David Tennant do one of those, like, go to sleep audio uh asmr audio. do some <laughs> asmr or um the, like they started doing like those audio sleep stories where you know it's a british person reading you a story very very calmly i would totally listen to david Tennant do some of those um all in all this was a really solid episode um the back and forth between dr weller and the colonel was really compelling um convincing everyone to jump into the robot that may or may not be a death machine um the playtime stuff the interpersonal relationship between uh you know miranda jody and chase going on everything in this episode was a lot of fun from the 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 writing to the music uh to the the shot compositions everything about this episode was really really good and i'm really excited for the next one uh cool then that's a sweet transition into final thoughts katie I had I had more things I wanted to talk about. <laughs> oh, go about. ahead. Excuse. <laughs> I, t- I I loved that Siege and now Siege 2 were coming up, and I'm starting <laughs> to think of it as a World of Warcraft sort of thing. But again, with Kazu and Kami, the, oh, Kazoo, and you can have my manga collection if I die. I haven't read manga for years. What's wrong with you? Like, I love watching. This is such a weird, odd couple sort of dynamic, and I absolutely adore watching it develop. As many issues as we've had with some of Chase's behavior this episode, there were two things he said to me that really stood out. One of them talking to Valentina about, no, you won't have zero regrets. You will have one regret when you get eaten alive by Union Nanotech. You'll be thinking, I could have done something to change this, and I didn't. And coming from the guy who got eaten alive by Union Nanotech and survived, that's, uh, that's saying something. And then towards the end, ta- with uh, Dr. Weller talking to the five of them in Holons, for one, that aerial shot was amazing. Oh my god, so beautiful. But also just the question about, well, how do we fix evil? You can't, but you can step up when you see it. And like, put that on a shirt, put that in a frame, tattoo that on everyone's foreheads. Like, apply that lesson to your daily life, because that is what we need. You don't fix the ills of the world that we're all now becoming inured to because 24-hour news cycle fatigue is a thing. Like, compassion fatigue is an actual, honest-to-God thing, and it's usually something that happens in police and EMTs and people who see a lot of trauma and a lot of people that need to be cared for. Your caring-for-other-people circuits burn out, and now we're starting to see it in, in us, in the civilian population because of the 24-hour news cycle and whatnot. So, and you know, attaching this to real life, this is something that we need. The There's a difference between seeing it on the news and seeing it right in front of you, and you don't have to fix the world. You fix what you can. And if everyone does that, it builds. I'm reminded constantly, especially these days, of seemingly what has turned into a comedy line from our good friend from Ruby, Professor Peter Port, 
remain vigilant. And <laughs> that echoes even further here. Uh, final thoughts, Stace? Oh, I just want to touch real quick. The way that this episode introduced our team to their mechs through play and go on this journey with me for a second. I've spent the past month like examining the importance of play in childhood development for, for school. So <laughs> to see it played out this way, it works for adults too, guys. Uh, just the openness to approach their learning with this first encounter, not being sat down and taken through like a rigorous training course where they had to go through certain motions, but a, hey, here's an open space, see what you can do. To let them really explore their own style, I think that goes a long way to show where we're going from here. Going on from that, some of your fondest memories from youth aren't necessarily sitting in a classroom listening to a lesson it's going out and playing with your friends so using that for this seemed like the most logical thing and then they are slowly fading into tactics but it's still a game it's still capture the flag and then next time we'll see where it goes if they have to be deployed on a moment's notice i really hope they get armor soon but uh, other than that this was a this was a phenomenal episode and if you weren't in at this point yet i'd i'd be very hard pressed if this episode didn't do it before we go let everybody know where they can find you let's start with katie on this one i'm katie cullen you can follow me all over the social medias as well as on youtube and twitch at kiaxe that is k-i-a-x-e-t if you like reaction videos to these episodes they live on that youtube channel i'm stacy shuttleworth you can find me all over the web at stacy shuttles <laughs> uh, I'm Megan. You guys can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at the Mengwin. That's T H E M E N G U I N. I also do a Lost retrospective podcast called No Love Lost. Be sure to check that out on the Podcast Jukebox Network. And I'm Mark Bidonica. You can find me on Twitter at Mark Bidonica. I do a bunch of other podcasts, wrestling, theme parks. Make sure to follow me to find out. Follow all of us at the team, at the Rooster Team, if you want to join our discord the link is down below but we will be here next week to talk about episode four of genlock right here on the gen lockdown we'll see you then